read a quote this week from the great Bible teacher and theologian John Stott. He said something very profound that I want to share with you. Are you ready for this? This is what he said. A man who sows his wild oats must not expect to reap strawberries. <laughs> Isn't that a great quote? A man who sows his wild oats must not expect to reap strawberries. Now that's actually conveying a very important principle that we're going to be looking at this week, that you reap what you sow. But before we read our text, let me just first ask you, what fruit are you seeing in your life and relationships? Um, a couple of weeks ago, Alka talked about the fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, uh, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Is that fruit growing in your life and blessing those around you? Because if not, then it may have to do with the seed that you're sowing. And you can change that today by starting to sow different seed. So let's now read the text. It's from Galatians 6 verses 6 to 10. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now Paul is coming here to the end of his letter to the Galatians and he has shared his heart and his burden with the church and here he gives some final exhortations but he puts them all in the context of this great principle that he refers to in verse 7 that we reap what we sow. It's an agricultural principle that's known in every culture and throughout the history of mankind. It's a principle that is uh, written into the fabric of creation and all of life, that you reap what you sow. If a farmer sows barley seed, he'll get a barley harvest. He won't get a wheat harvest or a corn harvest, it'll be barley because you reap what you sow. If a farmer sows good seed, he can expect a good crop. If he sows bad seed, he can expect a bad crop. Why? Because you reap what you sow. If a farmer sows plentifully, he can expect a bumper harvest. If he sows sparingly, then only a miracle will change the outcome. Because, that's right, you reap what you sow. So, if you want a great harvest, then sow the right seed, sow good seed, and sow it plentifully. That's the principle, and it applies to every area of life. If you want to live a healthy life, then eat healthy things. A man who only eats donuts and Big Macs will reap the consequences in his body. His health will get corrupted. His body will get diseased. And of course, this principle is just as infallible in the moral and spiritual realm as well. Don't be deceived, says Paul. God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. And in this passage, he applies this principle in three ways. First of all, in the teaching of God's word. He says, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. 
the implication here is that church members should provide for the pastors who are teaching them God's word. But they're not consumers and pastors are not hired hands. As Paul says in verse 10, the church is God's household. It's a family where there is this uh, mutual sharing of gifts. So whoever is sharing their gift of teaching and giving their lives to teaching God's word should expect to be supported by the financial gifts of those they are sowing into. Paul says something similar to that in 1 Timothy 5.17 about those who labor in preaching and teaching. You know, good pastors are diligent about sowing good seed, the seed of God's word. They share spiritual things with their congregations. Uh, they shouldn't be doing it for the money as the Bible makes clear elsewhere. But there is a mutual sharing because as Paul says, the one being taught has a responsibility to share good things with the one who teaches. So both are sowing into the church and it's that kind of mutual sowing that will produce a good harvest. Now that was particularly relevant to the churches in Galatia because people were being led astray by false teachers. And in his letter, Paul was warning them about the kind of harvest this false teaching would produce in the church. It would just lead them back into a form of slavery. And that warning is just as relevant, perhaps even more relevant today, right? Where people have access to the internet and listen to all kinds of teachers and prophets who have not been appointed by God to care for their souls. In the early church, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. But it wasn't just the teaching like we have in our Bibles. It was the apostles that they knew personally, the pastors in their church in Jerusalem who were faithfully teaching them the word of God. That's the teaching they devoted themselves to, and it produced a great harvest. So, the pastors and teachers who have been appointed to serve your church who give spiritual oversight to your church family, you know, they may not be the best communicators, they may not come up with the best sermons, but God has not appointed them to entertain. They've been appointed to faithfully teach his word, sowing good seed week after week after week. And if the congregation will share in that, not just financially, but in giving themselves to what is being taught, then we can expect to reap a great harvest in our own lives and in the lives of others. So that's the first way that Paul applies this in the teaching of God's word. He then applies it to the Christian life. You know, we will reap what we sow in our own lives. In verse eight, he says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, Jesus died to give us eternal life in him. It's a gift that we don't deserve and that we could never earn, all right? Eternal life, where we will enjoy communion with God for all eternity, is not a reward for doing good. That's not what Paul is saying here. He's already made that clear in this letter. Eternal life is a gift of his grace and it's ours through faith in Christ alone. But we have a part to play in receiving the blessing of that life, the life of his spirit in us and the fruit that he wants to grow in us, the a harvest that he wants us to reap. Just imagine your life is like a field that's being plowed and sown into. Now visualize the harvest that will grow there. Imagine, if you will, a 
a massive crop of red ripe strawberries. Can you visualize that? That harvest represents the blessing that God wants to reap in our lives and through our lives. But here's the thing, no amount of hoping and praying will reap a harvest of strawberries if all we're doing is sowing thistles. Are you with me? Don't be deceived, says Paul, you will reap what you sow. And so in verse eight, Paul returns to the theme of the flesh and the spirit that are in opposition to one another, as we saw in chapter five. The flesh belongs to our old nature, where we essentially live to please ourselves. It's where we pander to those uh, ungodly desires and patterns of behavior, which are all uh, self-serving and which, where there is no restraint. But when we surrender our lives to Jesus, our old self is crucified with him. And we're given the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, who is transforming us into the likeness of Christ, where instead of uh, loving and serving ourselves, we should be increasingly loving and serving others as we grow in the fruits of the Spirit. But we have a part to play in that. As Paul says at the end of chapter 5, we have a responsibility to live by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, so that we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And here in chapter 6, verse 8, he uses the principle of sowing and reaping to drive that point home. If we sow to our flesh, he says, we can expect to reap corruption. Now, what does that mean, to sow to our flesh? Well, the seeds we sow are our words and thoughts and deeds. And so sowing to the flesh means that we seek to gratify its selfish desires through the things that we think about, the things we say, the things we do. So whenever we lash out in anger in, to someone or, or nurse a grievance or harbor a grudge, um, entertain a, a lustful thought or wallow in self-pity, you know, we are sowing to the flesh. Whenever we complain or criticize, whenever we lack self-control or we put people down, we're sowing to the flesh. Every lie, every grumble, every vain thought is like a seed sown to our flesh. And each thing, you know, it may not seem much in itself. Most of our sowing may not be big things, but small daily choices in how we respond to others, how we talk and the things we dwell on. Now, we may think they're not that important, that it really doesn't matter, you know, they're just little seeds. But the thing is, they accumulate over time. And all those seeds we've carelessly sown, we will eventually reap in our character and in the effects we have on the people around us. You may have heard of this saying, Sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an action and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. That's what Paul is getting at here. Some Christians, you know, they sow to the flesh every day and then wonder why the Christian life is such a struggle, right? You can go on sowing and close your eyes to the consequences, but don't be deceived, says Paul. One day, God will bring in the harvest. And the end result, Paul says, is corruption. We will reap corruption, which can also be translated destruction, disintegration, or decay. Right? Our sin and selfishness causes everything to break down. We see it in relationships and society, in uh, families and marriages. You know, when a married couple act selfishly instead of serving one another, when they speak harshly, always criticizing one another, then over time, it will destroy their marriage. Their relationship will break down because they're sowing to their flesh. 
and it will lead to bitterness, resentment, loneliness, all the things that destroy our lives. So don't be deceived, says Paul, you reap what you sow. Sow to the flesh and reap destruction. And if you're experiencing that right now, and you want to see a change in your life and in your relationships, right? If you want to reap a different kind of harvest, then start sowing different seed. Listen, you are not a helpless victim of your passions and desires, or your circumstances, or your upbringing, or other people's behavior, right? You can take control of how you think, of the words you speak, of your own actions. Think of every word, right? Every thought, every action is like a seed. Stop and think about it. How will you use that seed? Will you sow it to the flesh and use it to please yourself, to make yourself feel better or put others down? If so, you can expect decay and disintegration in your life and relationships. But if you want to reap life and joy and freedom and peace, then choose today to take those seeds and sow them to the Spirit. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life, says Paul. Or as Tim Keller says, we will enjoy the approval and assurance and fulfillment and joy of the Christian life now and know that it will continue beyond death. So, what does it mean to sow to the Spirit? Well, again, you know, the seeds we sow are our words and thoughts and deeds. And we know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on. So when we respond to those situations and, and the people around us and we choose to align with the Spirit and we sow to the Spirit, right, instead of lashing out in anger or saying something critical or hurtful, we exercise self-control. We, we speak gently. We, we show love and kindness. We, we demonstrate patience and so on. You know, it means serving others rather than ourselves, um, caring for others, encouraging others, building them up, putting their needs before our own, sharing their burdens, as Isaac encouraged us last week, praying for them. You know, every prayer is like a seed that we sow. Instead of complaining, judging, criticizing, worrying, right? Instead of sowing to the flesh, we sow to the Spirit and pray. Right? We pray for people's well-being, for their blessing. It's, it's a daily conscious decision to sow seeds of love. And make no mistake, we will reap what we sow. I remember uh, hearing a true story about some advice that a pastor gave to a husband who said his marriage had broken down. He and his wife were just coexisting, you know, fallen out of love, always kind of criticizing one another, feeling unappreciated. You get the picture. Well, this pastor said to the husband, I want you to make a list of 10 things you would have done when you were first dating. 10 ways that you would have expressed your love for her. Write them down, then go and do them. Regardless of your feelings, go and do them consistently. So the man did. And after a few weeks, he came back to the pastor and told him it had transformed his marriage. As he started doing loving things, his feelings for her began to change. He started to feel love for her again. And, and even though she didn't uh, respond positively at first, you know, she probably thinking, what, what does he want? But over time, his love awakened her love. And not only did his sowing to the Spirit heal their marriage, it brought new life because it was better than it had ever been before. 
Now I can't guarantee that if you do that, you'll see the same results. But nevertheless, right, the overall principle is true. We reap what we sow. But like a farmer, we do need to be patient. There are no quick results. It's about consistent sowing that accumulates over time. So don't get discouraged if you fail and don't give up because in due course, you will reap a harvest. It will bear fruit in your life, but it will also bear fruit in the lives of others, which is the third way that Paul applies this principle. We saw, first of all, how seed is sown in the church through teaching God's word. Secondly, how it's sown into each of our lives through the things that we do and say. And now thirdly, in verse nine, Paul talks about how seed is sown through us doing good. He says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, doing good is about meeting the needs of others, whether in the household of faith, which is the church family, or in the world around us. It's basically whoever God may put in front of us. Um, it's not that we should try and meet every need, right? When Paul says, let's do good to everyone, he also says, as we have opportunity, right? When an opportunity presents itself to us to uh, serve someone, uh, do them good, meet their need, and so on, right? Last year, we had an amazing response when our church was presented with a need. We'd heard from one of our members overseas about a large number of women who had become enslaved in that country and had found refuge in a safe house, but they had no money or resources to get back to their home countries. So our church took up an offering and gave $25,000 to get those women home. We were presented with an opportunity to do good and we took it, praise God. Recently, many thousands of dollars have been given by our church to meet the needs of our sister churches in Ukraine, to bring them relief and enable them to serve others in their communities. This weekend, we're taking up a special missions offering to take the good news of Jesus to some of the darkest places in the world as we seek to do them good. But you know, the vast majority of good deeds are the small acts of kindness that every one of us can do as we serve those around us, starting in our own church. Meeting needs, serving others, helping, giving, welcoming, inviting, comforting, encouraging, counseling, supporting, and so on. Most of it's unseen. It's not in the limelight. It may not be recognized by others. They're like little seeds that get buried in the ground. But over time, all those little seeds will grow and yield a great harvest in God's kingdom. Paul doesn't say exactly what we'll reap, only that we will. It's a certainty, right? If we sow seeds of doing good, then we will reap. Maybe it's a reward in heaven. Uh, maybe it's the fruit we see in the lives of others. It might be in us repairing the fabric of society as we serve those around us. It might be building up the church as we serve one another. It may lead to someone's salvation or their whole family. Whatever it is, we can be absolutely sure that if we do good, there will be a harvest. We may live to see the results or we may have to wait until Jesus returns. We're not told when it will be, only that in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. So 
Don't be like my grandkids who plant a seed in my vegetable garden and then the next week go looking for the plants and lose interest because there's nothing to see. Don't be discouraged, says Paul. Don't lose heart. Be patient, right? There is great incentive for us here because we all know how weary we can become in doing good and in serving others, don't we? We all know what it's like to get discouraged, to lose heart when we maybe don't see the fruit or our efforts are not appreciated. Uh, maybe you feel like that right now in some area that you're serving in or you know, some person you're trying to help. It could be draining, right? You can feel like giving up, but don't, says Paul. Don't grow weary of doing good. Keep going, keep doing, right? Because this principle of sowing and reaping is rock solid. You will reap a harvest, whether sooner or later, it's absolutely certain you will reap if you don't give up. So, what are the opportunities before you right now? Maybe it's an area that you're already serving in or someone you're already helping. Well, be encouraged, keep on going. But maybe for others, there are opportunities before you right now where you can sow seed, where you can serve, bless, do good, pray into. It starts with our brothers and sisters in the household of God, but it doesn't stop there because we've been called to be a blessing to the world around us, even to our enemies. So where can you sow seed today? Pray about it and follow the Spirit's leading. Sow to the Spirit, says Paul, and from the Spirit you will reap eternal life. God bless you. Sowing on a mountain, reaping in the valley. Sowing on a mountain, reaping in the valley. Sowing on a mountain, reaping in the valley. You've got to reap.